All right, so let's uh, let's jump right in. Let's jump right in to Tifosi Football Radio. We got Dave Simpson, and we got Marco Mashka again. Guys, thanks so much for joining us today. We have a really exciting discussion to talk about Canadian soccer today, and I'm I'm roaring to go with this because <laughs> you know we've had we just we've just come off World Cup qualifiers and uh, the Under Twenty Three tournament, so I'm not too happy right now as a Canadian soccer fan. No. But uh, so let's just jump right in. So our first topic was talking about players' wages um, with regards to the CPL. Obviously, right now they are the CPL has been quite tight-lipped about it. They have been since the start. They haven't really disclosed anything to, I guess, the general public on 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 where we go in terms of player development and and that and basically that article that Carmen talked about, right? Um, that Carmen Izako talked about. So we'll just th- we'll just basically throw it out there. So Canadian talent, where we've talked to, where we've gotten to, Marco, you've said when we're 15, 16 years old, Canadian youth is close to the bar of the European youth at that age, right? Am- Do I got that right? Right. All right. Absolutely right. My opinion. So where do we... Where do we fall off here? Because the CPL has just come in, and I understand it's it's a it's a it's gonna take a, it's gonna take time. It's a brand new league. It's I wouldn't even say it's two years old because I mean they with the coronavirus they had technically one real full season, then they did basically a modified season. Um, so we're understand we're growing as a league. Sixteen year old kids. Is this something that they should? dive into knowing what Carmen Izako said with regards to player wages. So that being really low, is that something that they should jump into right away or should they be going to Europe? And I know we can definitely break down a lot of conversation with that. Yeah, well, I mean, when, when you look at, at you know, the, the European circumstances and then it's somehow the, the, the role model, right? Uh, and you see, you know, all these clubs are, are bringing more and more in these young kids with 16, 17 years in, into the professional league system um, in, in the Premier League, in, in the German Bundesliga, in the Serie A, whatever these guys are playing in very, very young ages there. And, and that, is, that is, you know, the usual, the usual development right now in these, in these times. I, I believe that, um, you know, in, in Canada with that league, with the with the CPL and uh, the, the, the huge talent Canada has, there's no doubt. Um, you know, in my opinion, that is, that is the best area for, for the young Canadian talent of, uh, of, of getting the first professional experience. So, yeah, I would say it, it should be the way. I think um, it's, I think the league, based on, on the salaries, I think that it's possible that that's the best place where young players can go because they can all live at home with those salaries. You know, I think um, as a as a as a as a league that's growing, I, I guess they don't have a lot of money, of course, and it doesn't help when uh, COVID nineteen, you know, um, takes away the fans, right, and uh, different streams of income. But I mean, as a grown man uh, with a family or a girlfriend or anyone that spends any kind of money, um, you know, cost of living, you know, uh, I would think that that's unaffordable, right, to to be a professional soccer bar, uh, player in the Canadian. Premier League right now, um, with those kind of salaries that we read about, um, you know, in that 
in that article, I think it's really difficult to a bring in good talent, um, you know, and b convince Canadian talent to stay, um, you know, and to develop here in Canada. Um, you know, it's it's quite difficult. I I don't know. Uh, I do know for sure that um, in two thousand and one, I made more than that at seventeen. So uh, this is uh, two thousand twenty one. And, um, you know, there's a lot of work to be done and, um, you know, we need to find ways of, of generating income and interest as well. You know, uh, you, it's really hard to say to Canadian talents that, um, you know, that the way forward is through the Canadian Premier League. You don't need to. And this is what we've been talking about. Right. Like we've been saying we really want Canadians to have a place to go instead of going away. They should be able to, to, to stay here. And it's hard to convince them when the salaries are like that. You know, and um, and so it's an unfortunate situation. Yeah, it, it is hard to compete. How is someone supposed to make a living, like you said? How are you supposed to pay the bills? How are you supposed to live a life? It is, the wages aren't competitive, and that's the bottom line, and it's a thing that has to change. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of times as Canadians and, and uh, you know, as footballers for Canada, we're asked to sacrifice a lot, um, you know, and, and we're going back now way beyond my years um, of being involved in the program in 97 um, up until, you know, 2008. Um, you know, we're asked to deal with a lot and put up with a lot. And, um, you know, we've always been told, you know, that there's room for growth and that we're growing. And um, it's frustrating to hear to trust the process. And the process has been, um, you know, the process leads to, um, you know, uh, games like... Uh, the one that we just witnessed against Haiti. Um, you know, it just seems like if we're, we're there. And so while we do a great job of developing talent at a young age, like Marco had, had mentioned earlier in prior podcasts, and that we have something here because we are developing um, great Canadian talents that play abroad on a high level, um, we are not doing a great job of creating a, a foundation that that um, you know can, can produce more, you know, and um, and I know we're in the beginning stages of that, and it's frustrating, you know, but there we, we need to find a solution to it before it's too late. I mean, I, I think we we have to, to look at the that talent pool on, on on three different levels, right? There's this zero point zero zero four percentage of all these high early double lovers, what is obviously also being scouted by the European clubs. When you look at the, you know, case we talked about already, like Alfonso Davis, for example, you know, was playing with 15 and a half uh, years in, 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 in the MLS. So these kind of talents, yet high talents, early developers, you know, interesting or, or where the European clubs are interested in, they will go anyways, uh, or they will move anyways, um, you know, into the European system, probably, right? Um, the other thing is the, the, the just normal developers, right? The 17, 18 years old were the, not the first focus from the professional teams, even in Canada, the, you know, from the MLS side or from the European side. For them, it is, you know, it is, a, in my opinion, a, a perfect setup in, in the first place to be having that professional experience, getting into a professional environment, showcase yourself to the world, because that is what the CPL is doing with talent. And, um, and for them, I believe that that is, uh, that, is, that is a good step. And yes, of course, I also, and we need to be fair here in, in this terms also to the CPL. I mean, like, like Christian said, it is a 
very very young organization with a with one year of a youth week and and the second year already we had the COVID nineteen issues. So of course it needs to be developed, and you know that takes a couple of years and maybe two three more years to to get these basics that that you have that totally professional environment with with fitting you know salary badges and stuff like that. What needs to be done in the future, there's no question about it. But um, and that is now the the circumstance we have here, right? And um, and and we need to deal with it. Before there was no option for a Canadian player to actually stay on a professional level in in, in their home country, and and that is a big difference. And and that is an advantage what needs to be used, no question. But um, that is just the beginning of it, right? So what do you guys think? You guys have been part of the system in a big way. What has changed and us getting the CPL obviously was just mentioned is a big difference between the past and the present. What is the big change and uh, is it getting better? What's the difference between getting to pro say 20 years ago versus making a pro now? How has Canada become better in that aspect? I just think that you have a platform that you can use. You know, you know, when I was growing up, it was really difficult to even get uh, video footage, you know, um, you know, to be on TV, you had to play like on Rogers. I think that was the TV guide channel at the time. And it had to be like a Robbie final or, you know, later on it was like an Ontario cup final, but all the other games weren't publicized and nobody knew who you were. Actually, I really don't know how anybody made it, to be honest. I think you needed to have a, just a contact or, you know, hopefully someone like Marco came down here who's connected over there. And, you know, it's all about who you know. And if you didn't know anyone and nobody knew you, then it was a wrap. You know, mm-hmm. there was no room for you to uh, show yourself and show your talent. Really, if you didn't make the Ontario team or the national team U15, then it was over for you. I mean, yeah. somebody, you know. So that's what's different. I think if, if I was growing up in today, um, in, in, in with the environment that we have today, I think I would be like super stoked as a 16, 17 year old to, to get on TV and to play, right? I would be energized and, and ready to go. Um, and that they were paying me anything uh, would be such a, a blessing and, and, a, and I'll just be over the moon. That's because I previously was not um, getting anything at all. But this is not 1997, 98, 99, or 2000. This is 2001. And we can't compare the past to now in the sense that, okay, we should be satisfied because of what it was. Uh, you know, we are in 2021, and there are places like Luxembourg who have leagues. And they, they run quite quite smoothly. Uh, you know, so I think the difference really is that it's just that, that you have an opportunity for people to see you at least, you know, whoever they choose uh, <laughs> to have an opportunity to be on these teams in the Canadian Premier League, you know, for people to see you, which which probably needs to be addressed, you know, but but as a 16, 17, 18 year old, at least I would see a place where hopefully I can I can still be here and still be called a professional and learn what it's like to be a professional, to have a training ground and, 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 um, you know, and to, to play in front of people and, and to play for points that matter. I think that's the, the biggest difference, you know, um, the professionalism, I think in North America, our professionalism usually lands on, um, the way how we present the product, right? Like the MLS, you would swear it looks like it, it it's, uh, it's the EPL, you know, that the way how they advertise and the HD 4k quality and all that stuff, 
you know, um, it leads people to believe that this is probably the best league in the world just because it, it causes you to have faith in the league because of the presentation of it. And I think with the Canadian Premier League, it, 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 it tries to do that as well, um, you know, with um, one soccer and stuff like that. You know, it really does do that. I would love to be a 16, 17-year-old playing in that league because I get to watch myself, you know. Um, my, my, my footage is embarrassing, you know, compared to, to what's out there right now. It looks archaic, you know. <laughs> no, but what is also important, and that is what, what changed now, you know, also in the last 20 years a lot, right? We are talking about a very um, analytical and digital soccer system in our times. Uh, we don't have that back in the days, 20 years ago. So, like you said there before, um, you know, there was, you know, the eye test, the eye scouting and stuff like this. Today, everything is pretty much di digitalized uh, through scouting networks and, 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 and software things. So, what, what CPL is offering also with these young players and what is the big advantage is to getting these data, right? Because they are recording this and uh, they are, you know, um, televised and creating these data for the players, what is also important to the CPL. I mean, I'm a I'm a huge supporter of the of the CPL. I think it's going to be it's going to be on par if not better than the MLS one day. It's just it it needs time to develop, right? And right. like Dave mentioned with One Soccer having the subscription, One Soccer does a really good job in broadcasting for those that don't watch it. I mean, the pre-game, game time and post-game coverage is actually really good it's on par if not better than what tsn does with the major league soccer and so they're really doing a great job in promoting the cpl and, and, and broadcasting and showing what the cpl is capable of the one question i have though is there's there's these little decisions that get made i guess higher up and we're talking canadian soccer association does the the Canadian soccer association obviously sanctioning the cpl was a huge step forward saying we have we basically have a premier professional league. Do you think the CSA needs to do more in helping this and helping the CPL and helping those CPL clubs in nurturing their talent here? And I'm talking in terms of can the CSA support them more so financially? Would helping them financially, helping them increase the salaries, giving them a little bit more money, keep that talent here and maybe get the quality up a bit. Ooh. I know it's a... No, I, I could... It's hard to have an opinion a little bit on it because I need to be more invested in it. But what I can say is every, everybody needs to see the profit of it. Um, you know, I think uh, we, there's some decisions that's being made. And I think this kind of blends into, you know, one day we'll talk about it or sometime soon, which is... Um, who who deems to benefit from the systems and and uh, and programs that we have created, 
you know, are we more geared towards, do we feel as though we can help Canadian talent and help the Canadian League gain recognition around the world by presenting a better national team? And if we do, then we're going to go about things a different way. Or are we going to do it the other way where, you know, the league is, um, you know, is, is more geared towards helping itself and not necessarily the national team. In that way, you would know, like you're asking for the Canadian, you know, federation to, to help out. They would need to gain something from it, you know. And um, and so it's really a, a, a difficult question for me anyways to, to answer. You know, I think um, if, if we're creating a league, that is built uh, for us to have great Canadian talent, have a place to play, to grow so that we can have a better or bigger player pool for the national team, then the national team and, and the nationals, you know, our, our system would be geared towards that development. Um, if we are creating the Canadian Premier League, uh, you know, in order just to win games or just to win championships, then we're going to operate a little bit differently. And therefore, it won't be in the best interest of, of, of um, you know, the Canadian National you know, Association or, or Federation or whatever you want to call it. Um, so it really needs to be a partnership where they both see, OK, you know, if we grow talent, we can sell talent. That's good for you. That's good for us. They play on a, on a, on a higher level. They come back to the national team. They represent us well. And then when we represent, when we represent the national team well, then other uh, nations would see us as 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 a real main mainstay or or respect us more, you know, and, and that works both ways, right? Once they respect us more, then they're going to bring in our talent, you know, so that's how I see it. Like one hand washes the other. That's a sort of funny, uh, kind, kind of funny uh, the, uh, um, to coming up with that topic because we're having, we're having actually the same discussion right now in Germany, what needs to be done by the association and by the DFL. In, in terms of helping the grassroots level and the player development level, you know, changing things and putting more money into the system. So uh, I believe it is all over the world the same the same thing. When 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 you know system system or structures are struggling, then you know everybody's coming up with, hey, we have to do more and have to put more money in. But the circumstances are completely different. I mean, we are talking here in Germany about whatever the two probably wealthiest single soccer associations in the world we have right now and with a lot of money involved uh, in Canada it is you know because of the history and, 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 and the development in the last years before TPL stepped in you know probably not so much money involved than in any other European country right so it is always a thing of you know how much how much money is um, is, is, um, is there to, to put it into the system to develop structures and to develop uh, these uh, this kind of um, of professionalism, right? So, um, and you know, like I said, um, here in Europe, you know, we, that is all uh, a history of, of hundreds, hundreds years of playing soccer, right? And professional soccer leagues since 50, 55, 60 years are on a very, very high level. So, I, I think it is, you know, it needs to be, you know, be, be patient for. Um, uh, at least another three to four years up to the point where the World Cup is stepping in so far because I, I, I believe and I know that will change a lot in, in Canada, Canada soccer. Um, but, but um, yeah, you're better right. Uh, I mean, um, you know, that the circumstances must be there of, of keeping that young talent in the country, develop them on the right way uh, in the, inside the CPL, inside the CPL clubs. Um, and this needs to be done, of course. Um, but it is, 
it is a step forward when I just compare it to the last 20 years or back in 2000. You know, there wasn't any of these these structures in, in, in terms of professionalism, uh, and and now and now there is a start, and and that is positive, I think, right? Just I have one question because I think you know you might have the answer to this. Um, when Davies was uh, before he was sold, um, you know, from Vancouver, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vancouver. Um, do we know what his price was? Um, you know, at the time of sale, and then what it became the minute that he became a Bayern Munich player. Oh, I'm I'm not hundred percent sure on this. I mean, uh, when I when I understood his history, right, he was moving with I believe with, with, with you know thirty years from from Edmund to Vancouver and into the you know uh, Vancouver Academy. Then he played in the USL, I believe, uh, uh, the first year. And made a made a big impression over there, and then he he, he played in in, in 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 the MLS team with uh, as the youngest player ever so far, right? Do do it right? I'm not I'm not sure, but I think it was um, the, the youngest youngest the youngest uh, player in, in, in the MLS so far. So um yeah, and then you know he he became he became uh, that 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 player who, who who really was starting within that young age, and and of course. That is turning heads all over the world when a player in his age appears in, in, in the MLS <clears throat> and uh, is a starting player and scores some goals and then make good good games, um, have a good data, good good, good data, right? That's what that is the key point. And then and then he you know attracted uh, clubs like Bayern Munich and of course also some other clubs from other European countries as well. And and that makes a price in the end, right? So I don't know what 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 it was the transfer something between whatever eight to ten million, I believe. I'm not really sure on this. And then you know that that lucky circumstances what 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 helped him to to have a very early uh, appearance in, in in Bayern Munich's um, first team, also right away in the Champions League because of the injury situation in Bayern Munich. But also, with a lot, his his market value quite quite uh, quite a lot and quick, right up to a the point. The reason now. why I asked that was because, he, like, um, I I know he's at eighty million or whatever ridiculous number it is now that he, <laughs> that he's worth, right? Um, yeah. But my my point was, the sale of Canadian talents, right, can help the league grow. That that was my point, you know, and and I'm not sure I, I'm I'm not dogging TFC or anything because there's no need to, but um, you know what happens if Ruddy played in the Canadian Premier League? You know what happens if Davies played in you know the Canadian Premier League hypothetically? You know, or there was other talents like that's another way in which we can grow. You know, and I feel like sometimes we're growing the MLS better than we're growing um, you know the Canadian Premier League, and so there. People need to see that um, the same thing can be achieved for cheaper um, getting Canadian talent from the Canadian League than from the MLS, who will skyrocket the price now because of the success of sale of, of, of players. Because they ha- now yeah. they, they're, they're starting to sell players quite often, right, from the MLS. Um, but the Canadian talent actually come from Canada. They don't come from TSC. They come from Canada. And so that same talent can be in the Canadian Premier League. And so for investors, they need to realize that if there is an investment of a little bit more funds, you might be able to attract and keep some of the Canadian talent. And we all know that, you know, 
Uh, the price goes up the longer they play, that kind of thing. And if they play two seasons in the Canadian Premier League from the age of 17 to 19, their value will go up. But also all the funds come to the Canadian Premier League, which, you know, obviously is associated with the Canadian, um, the CSA. I mean, absolutely. Um, just to, to answer that again, it is, it is, you know, it is a, that, that is, a, is it probably also. I, I don't know, but it will be probably also to be a part of that 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 you know business program around uh, the CPL and around soccer, you know, to to develop these kind of uh, you know young players with a certain market value, and then you know attracting uh, also um, you know bigger clubs in, in, in Europe. Um, that that will come automatically, but it takes time, right? It's not happen in the first or second year, and and, um, and 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 this is how it works. I mean, like like I said, right? You have in Canada also now actually two two different bubbles. One is the three of the three MLS teams with the MLS, so they will you know they will also look with their academies always to the great challenge in the different region and will try to get all the players, you know, where the leave in uh, the talent uh, into the academy, so that's one thing. And the other thing are the, the, the CPL clubs with their connection to academies and stuff. So they will also try to get, uh, you know, these these talented players uh, in, into, their, into their teams because the rules and regulations, like we discussed earlier, as far as I understood this, is that, you know, CPL needs to play with a lot of homegrown players uh, under 23, I believe. And um, you know these, these 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 young talents you need to find first of all they are, they are there no question and more than enough but you need to find them and, and you know and play them in, in the CPL that you have you know a great strong product on the field you know with with your team with young players um, and 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 also to have a chance to develop market value and 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 you know through that transfer business to transferring players you can also grow the whatever everything was necessary your your marketing activities your 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 your, your salary wages everything what 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 is inside that that yeah that plan um is can be just done when 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 the when, when the league is developing in in, in in all terms and 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 that will happen in the next year no no question about it. so how do we how do we bridge that gap to create more alfonso davies like, was he just the one-off generational talent? Because really, you got to look at the developmental process based on, I'd say, our median player. What's the rest of the squad look like? Alfonso Davies, he's the star. But what does the rest of the squad look like? Is it up to the the level that Canada should be at? You know, what what was it that set Alfonso Davies on the path that he's taken? Why isn't there other Canadians? I mean, there's a couple uh, at Lille. Jonathan David, he's a striker. I guess, you know, his trajectory, how do we create more of those trajectories into that uh, and make our national team better? I think there's a lot of communication that's lost. You know, like we can still ask the same questions that we were asking, you know, four months ago. How do you make the Canadian Premier League? Nobody knows, you know. I mean, uh, I think that they're there, and I think I might have got a little bit of flack when I said that there's a lot of um, Alfonso Davies out there. I've seen him. Uh, what I meant by that was that um, there's a lot of talent that give up at 18 because there's they don't see a pathway. You know, they're traveling all over the world. They're paying all kinds of money. 
um, to stay and to pay for their own facilities and, and food and all this other stuff. And then they lose hope, you know, and, and those are the ones that can afford it. The other ones. So is that the thing that has to change? Because that kind of was, let's say, the old way. You go across the Atlantic, you go to open tryouts, you hope you make a spot. Now, should we be holding our academies more accountable here to kind of make a road into professional football? I don't know if you can hold them. It, they they only have as much power yeah. as the Canadian Premier League give them. I mean, you know, we there needs to be a, a outreach and and a hand given to these you know academies who've created these players. You know, and and the sale of these players needs to be filtered down to these academies. Like it, it's the overall thing. You know, our tentacles should be out now. We should be absorbing all the hot talent that's out there. And and we do talk a lot about um, the young ones because that's where the money's at, you know, and there's certain rules put in place, you know, uh, you know, and so it attracts a lot of, you know, clubs to, to young talent and stuff. They have a chance to mold them, but there's a financial benefit to having, you know, a, a young talent on your team. Um, however, then we need to look at the ones that, I mean, what do we call young you know, we a lot of times we say young is 17, 16. Now we're going down to 15. Like there's 19 year olds that are really good that can't find their way on to um, a team in the Canadian Premier League. 20 year olds, 21 year olds. I mean, they're going to be prime by the time the World Cup comes around in Canada. And, you know, a lot of them are fizzling out. And we're, we're thinking that, you know, these young talents are going to be stars by the time the World Cup comes around. That's not 100 percent true. You know, you really hit your prime at 27, you know what I mean? 27, 28, that's your earning power. That's when you have experience and stuff. Um, you know, we need to have a lot more of them there too. So, um, you know, I really think it comes down to communication and, and really having a fair opportunity. Um, do Does the Canadian Premier League really want um, a relationship with notable academies? You know, and some of them do and some of them don't, but I think they should all have a fair shake there, sh- there there needs to be a way in which i know we're going to talk about finances and stuff but there needs to be an easy way uh in which these academies can send or or at least notify these clubs of their top talents i i, I, even, I even don't know really if if, if there's, there's, there's a pathway right now from a you know a, a 18 19 years old playing in, in, a, in an academy system it, it's clear now to the players in canada how they can be a part of a of a you know CBL team and how they can be seen right um, by 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 the, by the clubs. So I don't know. It, you know, it is, it is obviously in Europe. It would be the, the the responsibility of the club of building up these relationships with with whatever other clubs around you and then schools and, and universities and whatever. That is how it works in, in in the European system, right? So you're having partner clubs underneath and partner academies underneath, and and you look into their talent pools and. And try to find, you know, the best talent what you can pull then to, to your club, um, and and that is, yeah, how it can be also done uh, with with the CBL teams and 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 the the huge amount of academies you have right now in in in, in, in uh, all these areas, right? So there there are not only one or two academies. There are a lot of academies uh, doing a great job in terms of player development. So, um, um, but I believe. It, it, it needs to be clear for the players um, what is the pathway. And I maybe I'm wrong, but that so far I experience is many many players don't know how to get to get into that system, right? So that that uh, is improvable, I believe. That's important. 
you know, it's important. You know, if I if I if I'm good enough to make this team on this trial, um, you know, then then I'll be able to to possibly go here. You know, like that's how it all works usually everywhere around the world. You know, make it to this league on this team, and then we go here, and and then you have something to drive you. But I can say from experience that I've bumped into a ton of players, and um, and they they don't know where to go. And once they don't know where to go, they feel as though they're failing because they're looking on TV and they're seeing guys at 16, 17, 18 years old, and they're already playing in Bundesliga clubs or in the Serie A somewhere or or wherever, and they're going, "I'm way too far behind." Um, you know, I don't know where I'm going, and they just get despondent and distressed and then they their parents are already telling them what are you doing with your life you got to focus on school and all stuff they can have all the talent in the world but anyone that loses hope starts to die and i just feel like a lot of canadian talents at the age of 18 19 years old um you know who's who've gone through uh you know covid um no you can read it off uh gone through covid um you know they they lost a whole year there's a whole you know, gamut of players who've lost a whole entire year because of COVID. And that was their breakout year. And now they're stuck at 19. They have no game footage for last year, even though it's required by a lot of the Canadian Premier Leagues that I've spoken to. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's really a tough situation, League One. So, you know, it seems like you got to go to League One, League One to the Canadian Premier League. Um, but it would be nice to know what teams are affiliated with what, you know, just so that there's a, yeah, a way, you know, to move forward. You know, I, I wanted to just get a gist of, I just asked uh, Julio to, to read out some of the names of the, the guys on the, uh, on the Olympic team and where they played. I just wanted to get a, a, an idea so that maybe we'll know, like, how do you make the, the, you know, the Canadian national team? Want me to read out the full team? Yeah. So goalkeepers, we have, uh, James Pantemis from, Club Football Montreal, Matthew Nogueira from Martimo in Portugal, uh, Sebastian Breza, Bologna City A, so that's our goalkeepers. In defense, uh, Zachary Brault-Guillard from Montreal, Zorhan Basong from Montreal, Abizi from York United, Derek Cornelius from Vancouver Whitecaps, uh, Marcus Godino from FSZ, I mean FSV Zwickau, I, that's a German club, I'm sorry Marco if I'm butchering that, <laughs> Kayla Montgomery, <laughs> Minnesota United, and then uh, you know our midfield. We have Michael Mobaldesimo from Vancouver, David Norman Jr. from Calvary, Alan Daniels from uh, sorry Aiden Daniels from Oklahoma City Energy, Ryan Raposo from Vancouver, Patrick Metcalf from Vancouver, Lucas Diaz from Sporting, and then our forward line was Tejon Buchanan from New England Revolution, Charles Andreas Byram from Mouscaron in Belgium. Balu Tabla from Montreal, Mohamed Farsi from Calvary, and Theo Bear from Vancouver. Okay, so I heard two Calvaries. There's three in total from the CPL. Yeah, quite a, quite a bit from Vancouver, Whitecaps, it seems. Montreal. And, uh, Montreal as well. Okay, a couple so from Europe. If I was a player, then I would say I have to go to Europe or I'm going to be in the MLS. That's, that's what I would say. Based on that. Yeah, I mean, I mean that the focus, the focus on, on these players playing in the European system or playing in the and, and uh, the MLS uh, system with whatever PSG2 or Vancouver 2 in the USL. And I mean, that is, that, is, that is pretty much the same all over the world, right? When I look at our under-23 team, um, um, you know, we're having all these, these players playing in, in whatever our... Yeah, if, if, we, if, if, they, if we still have a player from the first Bundesliga, he is, you know, he of course, 
course, he will be in there. But many, many of them are playing them in the second Bundesliga already, or uh, you know, being in the, in the second teams of the first Bundesliga clubs. So that is pretty much the same all over the world. That, that you know, um, the level of play where the clubs are playing and the, the game experience the individual player has, maybe on a higher level, is for the national teams obviously uh, very important. But like we see on the roster, right? There, you know, 90% of that. Uh, that the players are coming from either European clubs or MLS clubs so far, yeah. right? So Only far. two players. Yeah. Uh, one, one was from York, I, I believe, I hear. Almost, so, yeah. you know, but, but, but that is also, I think that also after two years, not unusual that, that of, of course, uh, there, there are not, not um, so many young players now in that, in that age. What well, my point wasn't that I wanted every single player to come from the Canadian uh, Premier League. My point was yeah. that, that that the the idea, right? It just shows how much work we have to do to kind of convince people that that's where they should go. You know what yeah. I mean? Absolutely. Like, that, Absolutely. No, I, I agree. I think the biggest downfall right now to Canadian soccer is is it's kind of scattergun. You can go. Italy, you can go to Belgium, you can go to England, yeah. fourth division, you can go to Germany, fourth division, you can go to South America if you want, you can go to the States. Canada is the last thought in all these pros' it minds. Is. I want to make pro, I can't stay in Canada. I think that that has really hindered the program a bit. I know it's in its infancy, but I think that's the biggest obstacle is the Canadian mindset has to be changed to Canada is the answer. There has to be a defined path to professional football in Canada. You know, a young a young German youth, he's going to go through the German system. It's really rare you're going to see a player of uh, German heritage go to England and go through their, you know, through their process. You're going to go through the German process. Canadians, like I said, I think... They look elsewhere. They do look elsewhere. It's the last place yeah. they want to be is in Canada trying to make a professional career. That's kind of like where the, the have-nots are trying still. That's what it kind of seems like. Um, that's what it comes off as. Yeah. That's what it comes off as. I'm Like I said, it's still young. It's going to change. But the Canadian Soccer Association, CPL, it has to be hammered into the Canadian mindset that this is the path. That's why I was saying the academies, everything has to come together and there has to be a feeding system up and it has to, you know, you want to, it's like going through high school. You can't just graduate from high school by going right to grade 12. You got to graduate from 9, 10, 11 to 12 and then you can go, you know, you got to start from the bottom, from the grassroots in Canada and work your way up. And then if you're lucky enough to get the big deal to Europe, you take it. Or hopefully by the time Canada, people want to stay and they're making the, the big bucks here and stay. I think uh, for me, that's the biggest problem. Canadians, and e- even if you look at our national teams, people with dual citizenship, usually they're taking the opposite country. You know, yeah. I have a choice between Jamaica or Canada. I know Junior Highlight ended up taking Canada, for instance, but it took a while. A lot of the time, people are being tempted to join other sides, and it's very hard to convince the Canadians to it stay because the belief yeah. in the system is. The bad. others have always, 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 always a better, 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 you know, the better opportunities that for is sure. the mind of the people, right? But but that is, that is what I think. For me, you know, as, as an outsider from Canada, like an outsider, um, you know, looking from the German perspective on the Canadian market, you know, that, that is a pretty that, that Canada has actually all these different structural stairways. They are there. You know, nothing has to be done new. It is there. It has to be optimized. Something has to be developed. But it is there. 
but it's in the moment, in my opinion, a little bit the problem that the belief is missing into the own system. And that is because of the last 20 years or the last 15 years, what besides that, that the three MLS teams were established, nothing really happened before the CBL came in, right? Mm -hmm. So these generation of players uh, who developed in these in, the, in these 15, 15, 16 years, they they don't saw uh, they couldn't see the, that option inside of Canada. So the new generation now, and that, that is a chance, right? They they have to understand that there is an opportunity inside Canada with a, with with, a, with these stairways. And I'm 100% with Dave when he said, you know, that connection between uh, CPL, academy system, youth club system, up down to the grassroots level, also with what Juliano said, that that is, when that is structured and organized, and you have the people who understand how to develop players, like Canada obviously has, otherwise you won't have developed these players, like, you know, I found the Davies. Um, you know, Jane Nelson and, and, and Jaquila Rudy and all these great talents you have there. And, and, and a lot of more, you know, who, who, who doesn't even in the focus right now from the Canadian uh, system because even they don't know some of these players. And, you know, that needs to be organized. And then when this is, when this happened um, by, by the clubs, by the league, I, I, I see a bright future. Right? And the the players need to understand and needs to believe that in the first place it is much, much better to go this way in South Canada before going this 14, 15, 16, you know, traveling around the world and making trials all over the places and, and try to find my spot. Yes, it happens. And yes, some of these guys are successful, but 95% of them not. Right? And here's a chance in South Canada. And, and, and that, that, that can be done. Yeah. So what do you guys think of, so since we've been talking about development and going along that path, if you want, we can bring it into the qualifiers a little bit, Olympic and the uh, two Canadian games. So the few matches we've seen, are we impressed? I mean, they got 11-0 win, set a broker record, a Canadian record there against the Cayman Islands. That's a that's a team. That's a team I mean, that from what we we've talked seen. about. That's a team that Sam Marino or Joe Bralter can beat, for crying out loud. So... But are we are we happy with what we're seeing? Okay, first of all, on the in field. order for me to know if I'm happy or not, I need to know who the previous record was against. Because like, who know. are we playing? Like, uh, I, I don't know what to say. I think, um, you know, I think we can be all over this one here. I think personally for me, um, we've been talking about, I've been speaking about this kid named Jaden Nelson for a long period of time. Um, eleven nothing didn't touch the pitch once. I would think after the way in which you scored your first three goals that you would probably put on the three youngest players, <laughs> you know, let but and let them run. Yeah. Um, you know, and and try everything that you've been doing in training. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be respectful on this one. Um, you know, these players were probably picked off the street. If anything, um, I don't even want to. I don't. I don't even know where they would be playing or if they're playing anywhere. Just the way how the team was structured and, you know, the way the dominance, you know, it's even hard to score a nice goal against teams like that because they're all just tap-ins and ugly missed kicks and, and bad defensive, you know, strategies and everything else. And, um, you know, I, I had to be educated on, on, you know, why some of those younger players were not playing, you know, with, um, with the, the Olympic team who lost, you know, so you have these 
these these qualifying games where it's quite easy wins, um, you know, and you probably could have fielded, you know, a, a much lesser talent pool and still won. Yeah. And then for the Olympics, which means a lot, these these great talents that are young that could have been on that team uh, weren't there, and then they you know they got flushed out like we normally do, you know, in the Olympics. And I just I really wish that we would have taken the top talent um, that were eligible to play for the Olympic team, uh, you know, and 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 put them there, you know. Um, but I was educated that you know because of the MLS or because of some of their club teams and it not being, if I'm not mistaken, a FIFA sanctioned tournament, um, you know, they weren't able to, you know, the teams didn't want them. Number one, if they would have qualified, I'm imagining that they would want to play in the Olympics, which is this summer. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. It's the summer, right? And that would be right in the middle of, uh, right in the middle of the league for the MLS. Yeah. And uh, so that would be a conflict of interest. So instead of Canada gaining, Canada lost for the clubs. So the clubs won because they get to keep their players. Canada lost because they're out the Olympics. And, and there goes another great opportunity to put ourselves on the map. Yeah, to, put, to play big international teams. And exactly, the power struggle between clubs and the Canadian Association here. It's obvious because, you know, you look at you look at Neymar, one of the biggest names in football. He went to the Olympics and he fought tooth and nail to be part of that Brazil squad. Yeah. You know, so we got to we got to I think question maybe the drive of some of the players too of how hard you know, how bad do you want to be on that Olympic team? Do you value it? Is it going to be a worthwhile experience for you or is it just a waste of time? Or does or does the club not let you go? Yeah, that's right? ultimately we don't know, yeah, Cause, but you know, there was a big fight about obligation and can does the, is the club Mm-hmm. obligated to let some good you know they're paying you millions of dollars you know in the premiership all over the world syria and if you just get up and play against the cayman islands you know like ah, okay but it's a fifa sanction so they'll let you yeah and you play olympics well it's not fifa sanction we're not letting yeah. you we're still paying your salary throughout this whole time you know so and you lose your position so there's a give and take you know it, it's yeah. it's difficult to, decision to make but when you don't even have a, a damn decision to make um, that's when it becomes frustrating. And that is that is really a perspe- perspective uh, question again, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the rules and regulation is one thing, so that the clubs don't have to, uh, you know, to um, to to um, release the players for for Olympic qualifying games or even for the Olympic games because it is not a, a FIFA tournament, right? Yeah. So that 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 is the one point. Some clubs are doing it with the youngsters, some some are not doing. It. In terms of, um, um, you know, it is a question of, 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 of the time, the time every year, middle of the season. You know, now we're having, you know, that, that, that uh, in Europe, you're in the middle of the season. In North America, you are in the, in the preseason right now. Right? So there are different things. So you are also, um, you know, preparing for the new season and these stuff. Um, I mean, it is um, all over the world. Even our our under twenty three coach, uh, our Olympic team coach, you know, he's every year saying the same thing, and uh, he wants that people are changing the rules and that the clubs have to release players for the Olympic qualifiers, because you are always playing in these teams, actually, um, especially for the qualification games with the B team more or less, right? Because all the all the young players from the first team there are often not released by their clubs. 
And then when it comes down to the tournament, all of a sudden, everybody wants to play, yeah. you know, and wants to play for the gold medal. And then all of a sudden, okay, you know, yeah, here and there, uh, 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 a player will be released by the club. And in many cases, the team who's playing in the Olympics is completely different to the, to the team who's playing the qualification for the Olympics. So, you know, it is, um, it is, um, it is a very difficult situation for the players. It is a very difficult uh, decision made making um, a, a problem for the clubs, especially in terms when you when you play teams where you would probably know mm, we will win that game easily, more or less, you know, well respected every every opponent, but we are much, much stronger, so the clubs will hold back the, the youngsters not taking the risk that they're getting injured and stuff like that in, in, in games like this, right? Well, um, I I think it's a missed opportunity big time. I mean, Canada, Canada, we're in a, we're in kind of, I would say a, a crossroads right now where you still have that generation, like the generation that we grew up in that thinks that Europe's the way to go, right? Europe's the path and not staying, and, and not staying here, right? And then you have a new generation coming in where you're trying to show them that Canada is the way. Stay here. Represent Canada. It will do you well. And the Canadian Soccer Association had an opportunity to showcase that. To showcase, look at the talent we have here. Look at the talent we have here. Look how good we are in the under-23 bracket compared to Mexico, compared to the U.S., compared to Honduras. Because if we brought in our firepower... We would win. Hands down, we would have won. We would win that that tournament. Hands yeah. down, because, and the thing that we talked about prior to coming on, Juliana and I discussed, is the U.S. fielded their B team in for the under twenty three tournament, and they got crucified in the media for it, and they lost in the semifinals. They didn't qualify. Canada field their B, I would say more so C team, and you don't hear about it. You don't hear about it at all. There's no accountability. And I think that's where it needs to start is there needs to be accountability. There needs to be coverage. And you need to show showcase to this generation, hey, there's a way to make it. Because right now, the, the really the only coverage we're getting on who's able to make it that all the main media outlets are covering is Alfonso Davies. Nobody's talking about Jonathan David, who's the top scorer on Lille, mm-hmm. who is in the top two mm-hmm. in the French Ligue 1, right? Mm-hmm. And... That is that that falls heavily on the media and coverage for that. You need to showcase to these kids that there's a chance, there's an opportunity. And, and imagine having Alfonso Davies at the Olympics. Yeah. What oh it would do God. for Canada? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Imagine that, that's like having Neymar yeah. for the Brazilian team at the, at the Olympics, right? But so. we're asking for the nation to care when the national team sucks. <laughs> so it doesn't like we're being very nice, and I know you know I'm not supposed to be like this, but I mean, let's face it, we don't win, we haven't won. We've never had a winning time, no. and we're acting like we can put down our. Be- Listen, the best chance of us winning anything and having any kind of like, um, you know, gold, silver, or bronze is in the Olympics. Yeah, we just missed it. We've never had this much talent playing on this level ever. We finally have strikers that can strike, that can score. We have people who are world renowned all over the world. We've never had this in our lives, Paul. You know, the uh, Staltari and stuff. But those are you know one in between we have about three or four possibly five or six that are like very very good yes. no we don't do it like we don't take advantage we we you know we we don't take advantage of the opportunity of actually winning our group which we never do we don't take the advantage of being in the olympics which i can't even tell the last time that we did it 
Uh, we have stars that can do it. We choose not to do it because we're, we're I, I, I don't know. And we, we want people to care. Yeah. But there's nothing to care about. We keep losing. We've lost. Now we're out the Olympics. Yeah. And let's see how we do. Uh, why, why do we have momentum going into the World Cup, which we'll be hosting? Why do we have momentum going into the qualifiers, you know, which we're going through right now? Like, we, we have no, oh, wow, we, we did something. We don't have that national pride like how we do for hockey, because hockey, we freaking win. That's what we do. And when we don't win, we're shocked. Canada, when we win, nobody cares. And when we lose, it's expected. And that, that's the problem. And, and to, to now you get back into the Canadian talent, and then they have to choose between freaking Jamaica, where it's hot and sunny all the time, and going on vacation there when they go play with the national team and playing here. Or, or wherever else we choose, Holland or wherever. You know, we don't win. Like, we, we don't win. And we need to win at something for people to care. People care about winners. It's a new generation. Yeah. You know, this national pride thing doesn't necessarily work around here. We care about winners, you know, and, and if we don't win, nobody cares. If nobody cares, we don't get the funding. And if we don't get the funding, then we'll lose more because we don't have the funding. Like, we need to win at something. Yeah. we got to take advantage of the chance of winning. And we don't. We lost. We lost the opportunity again to, to, to be a very good team and to showcase. This is why none of the talent even know that we're comparable to the rest of the world. We are not comparable because we never show them that we are. If we would have put the best players, if it would have happened, not put, if it would have happened and we would have had our star power under 23 team against the world, I said that we would be competing against the Brazils. I think that we can compete against anyone, but we never show. That's why they never know that we're good, as good as them at 16, at 15 or anything, because we, for some reason, never feel the best. And that's my frustration. We're out and no one cares. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah. And that's the problem. But I'm not sure, I'm not sure at this point. I mean, I, I think I wrote an article about, you know, the, the relief of, of these three under 21 players from, uh, from TFC to the, um, to the World Cup, uh, sorry, to the, uh, Olympic Games. Um, and, and the manager or sports director or whatever, he said in, in that interview that, that uh, you know that they're not believing them for 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 the for, for the for the Olympic team um, um, qualification match. That's why the reason, also in my opinion, you know that that these two of them are, are uh, being being called up by the A team uh, when they played against uh, Cayman Islands and Bermuda. And um, so it is. It is not always um, uh, the question of the national team. I believe the national team coach under 23 he wants all the best players in the team. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying that it's the national team's fault. What I'm saying is that it's yeah. our fault as Canadians. Period. Yeah. It's a Canadian the problem. I don't yeah. care who didn't release or whatever. The fact that the the Nobody's club cares more. No, the club is is is. I mean, if you put pressure on the club, and, and you know, the fact that the club is taking care of their own priority because Ruddy's going to go to Bayern Munich or Dortmund or City or wherever, and they won't release him, and then Nelson or whoever, because you know, if they make the Olympic team, then which is great for Canada which ultimately would be good for TFC, would ultimately would, would be good for, for the Canadian Premier League. See, yeah, so that's what bothers me, is the clubs can benefit out of this. Yeah. You're only adding stock to the, your players. You're only adding value, after, value especially if they're successful. They yeah, pop they in a, a couple goals. Yeah, value skyrockets. Exactly. Right? I know you risk the injuries, things like that. That can happen in the season. But exactly. It's, it's a minimal risk. You're, you're giving your players more exposure. And that's where... The divide is: Do the clubs have the best interests of the national program? Yeah. Right now, TFC is our national team. If you think about it, TFC is our national team, meaning 
we have pride, more pride in TFC than we do in our national team. When TFC wins, it feels like Canada won. Yeah, when they won the cup, yeah, it was uh, being in Toronto. It was it was fun. It yeah, was fun. It was Canada doesn't get a show like that. No, no, and it consists of very few Canadians. So our national team, hypothetically, where right, our TFC team is pretty much our national pride in football, mm-hmm. and it consists very of very few Canadians. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's my point. So they have the power to say no. We're not going to release these players, even though it benefits Canada. But we call it Can- Canada's team. And that's where we conflict between the interests of the national team and the club team when we're not releasing players to our national teams to represent Canada. And this is where you come in, Christian, where you said, and nobody cares and nobody says anything and there's no pressure. So they can do these things and we fall out. Nobody cares. And, you know, not releasing the players, no problem, because we care more about the MLS season than we do about our national team. And that's where the... The, the fight comes in yeah i'm hoping that's where through this podcast that we're doing today we can cause a ripple effect and get people to start asking the questions get people to start asking exactly and start showing that canadians actually do care give the the fan base a voice right because canadians there is a bunch of canadians that do care they i do. just think it's like where do you take it to <laughs> where do you where do you bring it yeah. to can you imagine if the canadian hockey um, that the, the NHL didn't release Wayne Gretzky to the oh, Canadian national team. Like, yeah. can, you, can you imagine what would happen? Exactly. Like, there's no, there's not even a question. You, you bring your best players for the hockey, uh, hockey tournament, right? In the Olympics, exactly. You bring yeah. the best of the best. Yeah. You can, you can say that there's a conflict of schedule, you know, with this one and, and with hockey, there isn't whatever, but ultimately I think that there's just a, you know, that people are okay with the national team not doing too well because, well, we haven't made a World Cup since '86, and, and yeah. you know there wouldn't have been a conflict for the under twenty-three European contingent of players yeah. in the summer. Yeah, but is, 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 is this maybe the reason why where there's the focus now? You know, to even even when they're playing um, at Bermuda and Cayman Islands, what is you know not not, not the top of the world, right? Mm-hmm. That they're using all these you know, first eleven in, in in both games, right? In the Because you guys aren't good in hockey. 
So, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's probably the same thing what, what you guys uh, have in hockey. But but the, the point is, what, what, what I would like to point out this year is that when I see more of a group of national team players, and it doesn't really matter if we're talking about the 18 or the under 23 team, in total, what is a huge group where many of them will also probably be a part of the 2026 World Cup agenda. Yes. Uh, with a hopefully first step into 2022, you know, World Cup of Qatar, that will be fantastic to make that make that qualification yes. because that is a your world class preparation for your own World Cup in the home country four years later. That is the focus of the national team program. And, and, and first of all, I believe, and, and 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 that is just normal, right? That they're, that they're looking at, at this way. But when I see the group of players who played in the under 23 team and 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 also in the uh, in, in the A team um, um, last last weekend, plus potential players now in the age of 19, 20, 21, you know, all over the world, also in Canada, I think I think Canada has a t- talent talented group of players there, and for the World Cup team in their home country, 2026. But that, but that, to me, is not the issue. To me, it's the decisions, the politics. So, yeah, it's the. I don't know if it's politics or just like as I, I always say it. It's either on purpose, or it's out of negligence, and then you should be fired. I don't understand yeah. how you could be winning by so much and not play Jaden. So he's mm-hmm. a super talent, one of the youngest to, to ever you know be signed for for TFC at the time when he was signed. He gets a, a pretty decent salary for a seventeen year old. You know what I mean? A great salary, TFC. They play him 64 minutes for the whole season. Okay. Then you bring him to the national team. You're up 3 nothing, 4 nothing at halftime. You win 11 nothing, and then he doesn't touch the field. And yet still, we're, we're to believe that we're gearing up for the uh, 2026 World Cup. Shouldn't a player like that, who's probably going to be about 24 years old, be touching the field? Like these, It's not a matter of the talent. If, if it is about the talent, right, and we're giving credit to Canada for producing this talent, then something's going wrong at the top because clearly something good is going is happening at the mm-hmm. bottom to create the talent. But then when you get the talent, it's the decisions that we make it, that, that don't seem to make much sense. Like, I mean, he has to be injured or something, you know, like to, for him to not touch the field in both games against weak teams. You know, you want people like that to get a touch on the field, to get used to it, to get used to being under pressure, to get used to playing with their teammates, to get used to wearing the jersey and to feel comfortable. Not, uh, God bless him, Atiba Hutchinson, who is a star, who knows exactly what he's doing, who's played, I don't know how many games, probably the most games for Canada at mm-hmm. this point, who's 38 years old. Now, I think that a guy like Jaden should be playing with Atiba because you need guidance on the field and stuff like that. But for him... To, to, to be on the field and, and young talent not touch the field is ridiculous. We all know who Cayman Islands is. That's that's where you go for vacation. That, that's not football. So you you knew that you were going to win that game. You didn't. I mean, you didn't need to feel that many. Those young guys should have been playing. And, and that's the crazy thing. You have so you have Olympics and this going on at the same time. You have Cayman Islands and Bermuda on, on one hand. You have uh, who was in their group? You had Haiti, Haiti, El Salvador, and Honduras. And Honduras and a game against Mexico on the other hand. Wow. What's gonna be better experience for your for your national team that's gonna be playing in twenty twenty six? A bunch of guys in the current under twenty three program will be in that. That'll be the guys you're competing against in qualification, right? So down the road. Do I wanna give these guys experience against two teams in Bermuda and Cayman Islands, or do I wanna give them against real World Cup contenders for the CONCACAF area and in Honduras and Mexico 
and potentially in the States if they were to meet they the States They used to say well. that when you play against bad talent, that it makes you worse. Because exactly. then you develop exactly. bad habits. No one gained anything from, no. from I, I was going to say Turks and Caicos. <laughs> no, one, no one's gained anything from that game. You know what I mean? And, and, and yes, it used, to, it used to be U15, U17, um, U20, U23, which was the Olympic team, and then the men's team. That's how it used to go, right? You graduated. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys are skipping their steps. You went to U17, skip U23, sit on the bench for the Canadian national team and gain no experience. So you go from TFC to playing all these games to being on TFC and playing no games. How is that graduating? How, how, how yeah. are you developing if you go to the first team and then you sit on the bench and play no and games? David, you, you interrupted me. I just wanted to give you an oh, example sorry. of what happens. Yes, yeah, no, well, right, no, and I mean, you know, actually it was also my point uh, because uh, what happened yesterday in the game when we were uh, 1-1 and, and 20 minutes in the game and all of a sudden he, he, he changed in a 16-year-old Masuda um, for his, you know, um, second appearance in the national team, even with 1-1, not with an 8-0 lead in, in 1-1, 20 minutes to go in the game. Um, so, of course, it is, you know, important to, to, to in my opinion as well, is to use these, these games against weaker opponents with all respect of the opponents, but with weaker opponents where you, you know, have actually, should not have any problem in, in, in giving that international experience and, and um, also the experience to play with experienced players on the field. A, a young player is, is gaining so much out of it, right? So when, when you ask me, um, I mean, what I don't understand still, you know, that qualification uh, format you have there in North America in the Conference Cup for the World Cup, um, I mean, um, that, that, that teams like Cayman Islands and Bermuda and, um, and, and Canada is in the same stage of qualification is, is pretty much the same than when, when Germany and, um, I don't know, um, San Marino. I, <laughs> yeah, San Marino will be, uh, needs to make a qualification games, right? Mm. So um, yeah, there's a little bit also, you know, the, the format and, 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 and format problems and the qualification modus. Uh, uh, but if you have games like that, you know, it is great and, you know, um, you, you can, you should, especially when you lead 6 nothing or 8 nothing at halftime, um, then you can have the chance of, of giving some players some experience. I'm no question about Yeah, maybe Jaden should have put on the keeper uh, <laughs> and just went in net, changed out yeah. the keeper because there was no shots on net, man. No. So... I mean, those are, but you know, you sit there, Marco, and you're in Germany, you're in Berlin, you know, and your national team, you could put on and watch football and you expect that they're going to win. You know, we, we turn on ours and we never know if we're going to win. You know, you, you could be, I'm more passionate because we've, we haven't won anything, mm-hmm. you know, and you've, you've just finished winning a world cup not too long ago. And you guys have three stars on your, on your, on your Jersey right now. Four. Four now? Four. 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 Oh, four. four. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You know, we need half On a star. On par with Italy. <laughs> we need half a star. You need. We need something. You know what I mean? We need an underline, a check mark, anything. Like just, we should have check marks for how many times we win. We make it to the World Cup. You know, just, we no, need something. No, I, I agree with everything. I mean, I mean, to be honest, let's let, let's face it, right? When when Germany, even back in the days when you go to the World Cup 1954, and Hungary would have won the World Cup and not Germany, we will ne- we would never have become that great soccer nation than we were in, you know, after the, after mm-hmm. the World Cup. So, 
uh, having success with a national team program is always very, very important to have that, you know, social faction of, 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 of that something happened in your country with a soccer development system. And, 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 and that is very, very important. And uh, you, you, you guys saw with, with your Ita Italian uh, team after the World Cup. Oh, yeah. Uh, without, without the World Cup 2014, you know, it's a big, huge kickoff again. And, and that, that really helps to develop structures and become successful. There's no questions about it. It was getting kind and, of and, uh, and, scary and, uh, before that. <laughs> the Italians were yeah. upset. Like I said, like I said, it is always a plan and also the structure and the strategy. And, and, and if the strategy is now to, to do something, you know, to work, uh, first of all, try everything to qualify for the World Cup 2022 yes. in Qatar, they take that chance. And secondly, what I believe will be the target is to to, to take that aim 2026 as a main main part and say okay we need to we need to be doing a very very good job nobody is asking for the World Cup but we, we need to do a very very good job for that for that tournament and I think there are strategical aims uh, right now from the for, for the for the association and and um, that's why they're putting so much effort now also maybe in, in, in that teams and that A team with all these international start even when they play Cayman Islands of the music. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah, well, I, I hope I hope it works out. You know, we've been hoping for a while, so it gets a little bit frustrating. I just think that we could win on both levels, right? We could win on the, um, the Olympic yeah, level. That's possible. That's possible. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, but, but like I said, it's not, not always in, in the hands of the, of the, of the application. The yeah. class who has that talent, especially the class in Canada who has the talent, needs to work hand in hand with us. Exactly. exactly. That's the point. point. Awesome. Awesome, guys. Any other things you guys want to bring up? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we laid out a lot there, yeah, a lot to digest. That was excellent. I just hope it didn't come off like I'm mad. Uh, no, you know, it's, passion. It's, it's passion. It's passion. Just More people yeah. need to talk about it in this country like that. It does. Yeah. If Ger if there was fans in the German stadium when they lost North Macedonia yesterday, <laughs> they who oh, knows yeah. who knows what would have happened. <laughs> they wouldn't have lost. I was not that. <laughs> they wouldn't have lost because they would I have felt. The players that there were no people on the stand yesterday. I can tell you. Yeah. I mean. Um, that is a big for, for, for Germany. It is a big, big embarrassment um, losing, and that has nothing to do with uh, being disrespectful to, to uh, North Macedonia. Yeah. Um, but we are talking about uh, um, you know. We're talking about Goran Panda still playing for them. You win in a World Cup qualification game against when uh, our Germany, mm -hmm. right? So. Um, and uh, especially not because that, that can happen. I mean, there the, are the reasons for it, what I can understand. Um, it can happen, but it cannot happen when you, you know, you came out from the last break, 6 nothing against against Spain, you lost. Then you had a long break to the, to the qualification games now. Then you play actually two pretty good first games. In uh, that third game, the whole structure, team structure changed completely. Seven leading players were missing, and you, you you're losing to to to, to a team like that. 
I won it, by the way, and I think that the result was totally okay. I mean, we scored one goal by, by a penalty kick. And, and um, had had maybe two, two, maximum two, three other big chances. And, and you know, and they just were very, very effective in their game. Um, so then, then it is hard for Germany, for a country like Germany to, to understand and, and, and accept this. It would be the same to, to Italy, I believe. When <laughs> Macedonia <laughs> will uh, win the game against Italy. Right. Yeah, well, we we had our embarrassment in 2018 when we got we didn't qualify for the World Cup, so yeah. that's when heads started to turn. And yeah, that is the worst thing that ever can happen to Germany because that is the only thing that we, we never we never. Yeah, they we, always qualify. You've qualified for everyone. Yeah. That's... If, if we are missing the World Cup, I can tell you that much. Oh my goodness! Oh, yeah. <laughs> that will be, be crazy. Um, but um, yeah, I mean that. That we have have to think about ourselves also a little bit, and, and that even Germany is not doing everything right by now. Um, uh, we have to improve also in many many ways. Um, yes. So just do it. It's all, not not only a Canadian, a Canadian um, challenge; it's also a German challenge. Awesome. All right. Well, that, we're going to wrap that up for today. Uh, Marco, Dave, thanks so much for joining us today, guys. And uh, we look forward to doing this again with you guys very, very, very soon. Thanks for having us. No problem. And stay tuned uh, for the World Cup qualifiers. Aruba, Canada, June 5th. Some big matchups here, Aruba, Canada. (laughs) And uh, their biggest test will be June 8th against Suriname. Why are you guys laughing? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. (laughs) Stay tuned. Until then. Until then, everybody. Ciao. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Marco.